Hi everybody, it's Steve Weir, Grace Point's Pastor of Arts and Communication, and I'm here to say welcome, or welcome back, to the Grace Point Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast via iTunes or on our YouTube channel. Feel free to check out our website for all the latest information about everything going on here at Grace Point. But most importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step toward becoming a fully committed follower of Jesus Christ. Enjoy. How many of you have ever received a useless gift? (laughs) How many of you have ever uh, given a useless gift? (laughs) I have been known to do both. Uh, Certainly, um, I have been known to receive useless gifts, and I've been known to give useless gifts. Many years ago, um, when I first joined the staff, um, uh, 20 years ago or so, when I joined the staff, I was was a youngin, and uh, I didn't know all the folks on staff. I really didn't. And so we had our annual Christmas party. It's a gift exchange. Now, my experience with gift exchanges prior to this staff Christmas party was that you go to the store, you buy a good gift, a $5 to $10 gift, you wrap it, don't put your name on it, you do the gift exchange, or Pollyanna, as we would call it, and you you would exchange gifts. But I was told for this staff Christmas party that we don't do that. We give gag gifts, or joke gifts, or junk gifts gifts. So I said, I can do that. I was working in technology at the time, and so I decided, I had this brilliant idea, I'm going to put a computer motherboard and a CD-ROM drive in a box and wrap it. If you don't know what a CD-ROM drive is, it was a little device that we would stick in the computer and you could read CDs. It's a thing. They're, they're antiques now, but you could, you could read CDs and you could write CDs. That came years later, but you could, it was a device. It was, it was about this big. So I put one of those in. This was a useless gift. The person who opened it, I was horrified. As I'm watching other people open other people's gifts and then they open my gift, This poor person had no idea what to do. And I'm like, it's a gag gift. Look, I did white elephant gift. They're like, what do I do with this? They couldn't use it as a coaster. They couldn't use it as a Frisbee. Maybe a paperweight, sure. But I gave a useless gift. And I really think that by the look on that person's face, I was scarred for life. To this day, I do not like white elephant gift exchanges. That just wasn't my practice, right? So I I learned that I'm probably a terrible gift giver, particularly at white elephant Pollyanna gift giving parties. I'm terrible. Uh, Rarely do I get it right. Sometimes I strike gold, but usually I don't. Now, fortunately, for you and for me, uh, God is a perfect gift giver. He doesn't give useless gifts like I do. God's gifts are always perfectly suited for the receiver. They're always useful. And here's the thing. God has given you a gift. And he's given me a gift. And while we might like to hold on to those gifts and cherish them and keep them to ourselves and look at this gift that God has given me, that is not what Scripture would have us to do. God has a purpose for your gift. 
And it may not be the purpose that you think it is. This morning, we're going to look at how God gives us gifts, the types of gifts that God gives us, and what he expects us to do with those gifts. So if you would, turn with me to Romans chapter 12. We are continuing in our series uh, on Romans, and it's called Immersed in Grace. We've been going through the book of Romans since January. We're in season four right now, and we are looking at, we've been looking at some heavy stuff some big topics in the book of Romans. And right now in season four, we are looking at the righteousness of God that is revealed through personal transformation. It's exciting stuff. It gets real practical here as we talk about grace and the nature of grace. Now, when Paul's writing this letter, he's coming towards the end of his third missionary journey. It's around the year AD 57 when he wrote this. And later on, not too much longer after this, Paul will be facing prison uh, in Rome. But that's the context of Romans. And we're picking up here in chapter 12. If you're using one of those Bibles on the seat, you can turn to page 1049. If you're using your Bible app, that's great too. Just be mindful, sometimes the Bible app will start reading it to you out loud. So just be mindful. Okay, Romans chapter 12, we're going to start in verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, in proportion to your faith. If service, in our serving. The one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Now, Romans chapter 12, in the first two verses, verses 1 and 2, Paul has urged his readers and us, as we are reading this, to present our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is our spiritual worship. Last week, Pastor Dave shared with us that God gave, we give all because God gave all. We also got to sit in last week on a special interview with Dr. Carl Benzio. And I just found that to be absolutely fascinating about how he talked about the transforming of our mind and microscopic changes that happen when we make decisions and over time how it continues to build. Fascinating stuff. You should go back and watch that if you haven't. It's available on our website or on our YouTube. But this morning, I want us to consider this idea. Use your gifts for the use of others. Use your gifts for the use of others. Paul's going to give us three insights or three considerations about how we use our gifts. And in verse 3, Paul begins with, For by the grace given to me, Now, this is somewhat of a greeting, I suppose, but it's real about more about what Paul is saying, like, I have the authority as an apostle to tell you what I'm about to tell you. So listen up. I have the right to say this to you, all of you, because of who I am. By the grace given to me, Paul says. This is kind of like, maybe this has happened to you. It's kind of like um, perhaps when you were younger and would say, Stephen, As your grandmother, I want you to know whatever it was. I knew that as soon as I heard my full name, 
And as your grandmother, I knew I was either going to receive a compliment or some sort of challenge or correction, right? My grandmother was exhorting her, uh, exerting her, her authority. She was saying, I have authority, Stephen. As your grandmother, I'm going to tell you something you, I think you need to hear. Paul's doing something similar here, except Paul doesn't brag about it. Paul had an opportunity. He could have bragged about it, sure, because of who he was as an apostle and as his prior experience before he came to Christ. But Paul doesn't do that. Paul does bring some challenge here, however. Paul hits his readers, and he says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Paul says, look, as an apostle of Jesus himself, I've got something to tell you. I'm going to tell you right now. Be humble. You're not all that and a bag of potato chips. Not sure they had chips back then. But you're not all that. Don't think so highly of yourself. Ground yourself. Instead, Paul says to think with sober judgment or with sound thinking. And here's why. Because the ground is level at the foot of the cross. We are all, we all enter this life in the same state. Lost, without hope, with a debt so great, a sin debt that we could never repay. And so we come to the cross of Christ, and there's nothing we can do about it. There's nothing we can do to save ourselves. We can't look at our own skills, our own abilities, our own power, our own whatever we have that we want to bring to it means nothing. It's about the work of Christ. There is nothing in the gospel that should or could ever cause any of us to come away with some sort of superiority complex. That's not the gospel. The gospel is that we come as lost sinners and we need the grace of God and the blood of Jesus to save us. Jesus came and paid that debt. I didn't pay it. Jesus did. God saved me. I didn't earn it. You didn't earn it. There's nothing that we could have done to save ourselves or to help our case. So, don't think so highly of yourself. Instead, think with sober judgment. Now, you might be thinking, we, we do this all the time. I catch myself doing this. We play the comparison game sometimes, right? We, we do think too highly of ourselves sometimes. Particularly, sometimes we do this in the church. I'm not as bad as he is. Ooh, he's got a mouth. Or, wow, he really, mm, I'm not so sure about him. You know, that person, wow, they really like to share prayer requests. Sounds an awful lot like gossip to me. That's not me. I don't do that. I, whoa, I don't do that. No way. Maybe sometimes outside the church we compare ourselves. I'm not like those heathens across the street. Those Democrats? Those Republicans? Those derelicts of society that live in such and such a town? Look at that zip code. Whoa! We play the comparison game. And there's no room for pride in the body of Christ. Don't, please, don't let us inflate ourselves to a higher position or to some other sort of position we think we are owed something. There is no room for pride in the Christian life. Paul says instead to think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance to the faith given to you by God. Each of us has been granted a different measure of faith so that we can use our gifts and abilities. Warren Wiersbe, who is a 
theologian, he writes some commentaries which I enjoy to read. He says, since our gifts are from God, we cannot take credit for them. All we can do is accept them and use them to honor his name. It's not like before we were born, we were given a multiple choice. Say, God, before I'm born, I would like to have this gift or that gift or this skill or that ability. That didn't happen. God chose to give you the gift that he gave you, the skills, the ability, whatever it was, according to his grace, according to his measure, according to his purpose. Paul emphasized that human pride is wrong, partly because all natural abilities and spiritual gifts are from God. We had very little to do with it. So the first insight regarding our gifts is this. Use your gifts for the use of others with humility. With humility. C.S. Lewis has a great quote. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. I love that. Humility is not putting yourself down. Humility is not diminishing your own contributions that you bring to others. It's not thinking, oh, I'm terrible, I'm awful at this, I can't do anything. That's not humility. Now, there are certain personalities, there are folks, we know this, who have a natural tendency to undervalue their gifts and contributions. Hear me now. You are valued. You matter to God. You matter to the church. You have value. You are gifted. If we were to have an honest chat with ourselves and look ourselves in the mirror and say, really, how do I view myself? Do we have a healthy measure of self-esteem? Do I think I'm terrible? Do I think I'm better than others? I hope I don't look in the mirror and come away with this idea that I'm holier than someone else or holier than the rest of you or anything like that. Because if that happens, God, please strike me down. We need to think of ourselves with sober judgment. Do we find ourselves boasting about our abilities that we didn't choose for ourselves? God chose to give you those. Boast in him. Boast in the grace of God. Boast in Jesus Christ. View ourselves with humility. View ourselves as God's um, child. As God gives us grace. God's grace over position will always be a better route. Now, on a flight from Atlanta to Chicago in July of 2004, there were nine U.S. soldiers that were boarding the plane, and they were passengers on their way back from Iraq uh, for homely for about two or three weeks. And they were among the passengers on this flight. Before one of the soldiers boarded, there was a first-class passenger who stood up and said, I'd like to trade my ticket. I'm going to trade my first-class ticket for that soldier's coach ticket. Eight other first-class passengers did the same thing. So that these nine soldiers then sat in first class rather than in coach. Miss Evans, who was a flight attendant on this American Airlines flight, she said this, it was a privilege to be flying with those two groups of unselfish people, those who would put their lives on the line to protect their fellow citizens and those who were willing and who were not ashamed to say thank you. It wasn't about position. It wasn't about status. It was about saying thank you. It's about doing so with humility. Paul gives us three insights or three 
considerations on how we're to use the gifts that God has given to us. So use your gift for the use of others with humility. Let's pick up the next one here in verse 4. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. So, we all have a body with lots of body parts. And all the different parts of our body have a different function, have a different purpose. Otherwise, if each of our body parts all did the same purpose or had the same function, we wouldn't get very far. We wouldn't be able to walk if we were all ears. We wouldn't be able to hear or to see or to eat or to touch or to work or do any of those things. You know, I had this thought as I was thinking about this, like, what if we were just a nose? That would be strange. What if I was just a big toe? That would be even more strange, right? No, God has crafted our bodies to have multiple parts, and they all have a different purpose. They each fulfill a different function. I think the jury's still out on the appendix, but you, you get the idea, right? I'm sure that if there is a medical professional in the room, they can correct me later about the appendix. But so far, I don't think so. Paul's point is that the body has, is made up of many parts. The body doesn't serve the parts. The parts serve the body. What makes the body a body is the sum of its parts. And the same applies to the body of Christ, the church. Paul says that though there are many more of us, we all form one body and we all belong to one another. And this isn't the first time that Paul has used this metaphor. He, he has used it elsewhere in Scripture. 1 Corinthians 12, 12, Paul says, For just as the body is one and has many members, all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. And so it is here. Here at Grace Point, here at the global church, of all the uh, churches across the world that believe and follow Jesus, we are the body of Christ, the collective body of Christ, and we all have a purpose to serve. And so the second insight here is this, to use your gift for the use of others with humility and with purpose. With purpose. Your gift was intentionally given to you by God. You have a unique set of experiences. You have unique knowledge, unique background, unique upbringing. You are unique. God has wired you uniquely, and he's given you a gift. It's very different from anybody else in the world. Use your gift. We need you. God has wired you that way, has allowed you to have those experiences, good and bad. They have helped to shape who you are. And we need you to use your gifts for the church to bring glory to God, to serve other people. You have a specific function and role in the life of the church, and we need you. And we shouldn't be envious of others with their gifts either. We, we get caught up in the comparison game even here. Not just so much to compare ourselves, to think that I'm better than somebody else because I've got Jesus and they don't, or I don't cuss like they do, or anything like that. We, we make comparisons too, by the way, I don't actually cuss. I just, I wanted to clarify that. Um, but sometimes we say, man, I wish I could pray like that guy. Or I wish I was a worship leader like this guy. I wish I was gifted like her. I wish I could pray like that. 
Again, we do not need to compare ourselves. The comparison game is an awful game to play. View yourself with sober judgment. God has gifted you uniquely, and God doesn't make mistakes when he gives his gifts. You are made just the way God has designed you. You are wired for a specific purpose. And so if you're not using your gift, if you're not serving in some way, because God has gifted you, God has purchased you as a follower and believer of Jesus, he has gifted you and, and purchased you. If you're not using your gifts, you're kind of like an, an unused gift card sitting on the shelf. Think about that. Gift card was purchased and it's sitting on the shelf now, there was a report that came out in February of this year by uh, a company, a, a provider of financial services called Card Summit or Credit Summit, something like that. And they estimate that there is as, there is as much as $21 billion of unused or lost gift cards. I am going to go check my drawers and my wallet and search my house. I don't think I have $21 billion worth, but... Think about that. $21 billion of unused gift cards out there, purchased but not used. Not fulfilling their function. Use your gifts. Use your gifts. We need you. Here in, at Grace Point, we have an event that uh, we do um, just about every year. And this December, we're going to be hosting One Winter Night again. It's an outreach event. It's our gift to our community, and we're very excited about it. And it has lots of opportunities for you to serve and use your gifts. This is no exaggeration. We need hundreds of volunteers to make this night a success. And there's all sorts of opportunities to serve. You can be a cookie baker. We love our cookie bakers. You can serve coffee. You can work parking. Uh, you can be a caroler. You can work the bonfire, work with crafts. There's lots of opportunities to serve. And we need everyone to help make that event a success, to welcome our community, to share the light and hope of Christ to our community. There really is a place for everyone to serve. And plans are well underway. We have a, a Woman Tonight planning team. This is their photo here. And so... Um, this team of dynamic uh, ladies are serving well. And so left to right, uh, we have Andrea Aldrich and Deb Barnhart, Rebecca Perez, Barb Brown, and Taylor Fedina. Uh, you can email the team. There's the email address, own at gracepointpa.org. Because we all have a role to play. What is your role? We need people to play Mary and Joseph at the Living Nativity. We need folks to serve as ushers and greeters. Um, lots of opportunities. And so this is one opportunity. If you haven't started serving yet in the church, here's a great way to meet other folks, to serve with other folks, and to benefit our community and to help serve our church in this role. All right, Paul gives us three insights to how we're to use our gifts. Uh, we are to use our gifts for the use of others with humility, with purpose. Now let's look at what the third one is. Let's look at verse 6. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So we've established that God has given us each a different gift. 
according to the grace given to us by God. Your gift is different than mine. Mine is different than yours. And Paul says, regardless of what your gift, Paul says very clearly here in verse 6, let us use them. Let us use them. This is not passive, aggressive language here. Paul says, let us use them. Use your gift. That's the challenge. That's what Paul's instructing us to do, is to use our gifts. No matter what it is, Paul says, use it. You may be questioning what your gift is, and that's okay. Sometimes it takes us a lifetime or many years until we're later in life to figure out what our gift actually is, or even to know how to fully use our gift. It takes time. Um, As we learn more about ourselves and as God helps us to grow and to mature and as Scripture and the Holy Spirit reveals things about ourselves, our strengths, our weaknesses, our learning opportunities, those kinds of things, as as those things are revealed to us, we, we grow. We learn how to use our gift perhaps more effectively, perhaps more efficiently. As we become more self-aware of just how God has wired us, how God has made us. I love to say this. I love to say that we never graduate from the school of self-awareness. We can always become more self-aware. As Scripture and the Holy Spirit works within us to reveal and open our hearts to see how we uh, need to become more like Christ, there's always room to grow. Now, if you're looking for a couple of resources to help with that, uh, there's a book called SHAPE. It's written by a guy named Eric Reese. And SHAPE is an acronym. It stands for Spiritual Gifts, Heart, Abilities, Personality, and Experiences. And it's a helpful resource. You can look that up. And uh, it's just to help you think through the different areas and how God has given you a unique shape to serve in the church and in the community. Here's another idea. Ask a godly friend. Ask someone you know. Anybody that you spend time with, your spouse will tell you, right? Talk to them. What do you think my gift might be? Where do you think that um, God would have me to serve? You, you know what I like. You know my interests. You know God, my skills, my abilities. What do you think my gift might be? You might be surprised by what they say. God provides, uh, or Paul, excuse me, provides a list of God's gifts in this passage. But a word of caution as we proceed. This list is not exhaustive. The list that Paul gives in these couple of verses here is not the full list of God's gifts. It's meant to be more suggestive, a suggested list of some of the gifts. So let's be cautious with that. And the first gift that, that Paul mentions here is the gift of prophecy which is simply to speak for God and to do so in accordance with your faith. This is the only gift that comes with a condition attached to it. You can't speak for God if you don't have faith in him. And to know what God wants to say, you have to have a relationship with God. So, based on the measure of your faith, prophesy accordingly. Not every time a prophet spoke, however... Did he convey new revelation or information? Oftentimes we get caught up on we want something new. We want to hear about, prophesy about the end times. The end is near. You read about the Old Testament prophets. They were oftentimes speaking of of judgment and things like that. We don't want to get caught up in that. That's not what Paul's talking about here. What I think Paul is talking about here is communicating God's message that is in right relationship and is in alignment 
with the body of truth, scripture, that has already been revealed. He's talking about prophecy that's in line with the person of Jesus Christ. Prophesying that's in accordance with God's word that's already been revealed to us. Because prophecy that is not in line with scripture is heresy. Let's talk about the other gifts. Serving, teaching, giving encouragement, contributing, leading, showing mercy. What I think is Paul, Paul is saying about these gifts is that these are actions. These are actions. We can all do these actions. But what he's trying to say is use them well. Use them often. Use them with excellence. Sure, you could teach, but if teaching's your gift, well, then really teach. If it's serving, well, then serve well. Use your gift with excellence, faithfully. Be generous with your time if you're serving. Served often. Don't not serve. We need you. The church needs you and your gift of service. If your gift is to teach, well, then teach well. Look for opportunities to teach. You might find that maybe you're better at it. Maybe you're a natural. That would be awesome. But you won't know that until you practice do you start it? Do you get into it? You could be a tremendous blessing as a teacher to others. If you always have an encouraging word for someone, you might have the gift of encouragement. And we could all use encouragement. If as you approach or someone approaches you and they see your face and they just instantly feel encouraged and their day's been brightened, you might have the gift of encouragement. I'll tell you what, there's been times in my life where I'm in a season of disappointment, feel like I'm in a valley that never ends. A simple note. From a person who has a gift of encouragement that just says, I see you. You're doing a great job. I'm praying for you. I appreciate you. Thank you. Those words go a long way. Hang it up on your wall because you know you'll be in a season later where you need the gift of encouragement from someone. What about the gift of giving? Paul says to give generously. Don't skimp. Don't hold back. Be generous. He doesn't, short or, he doesn't skirt around the subject. He says be generous. We're all called to be generous, however, and not necessarily always with money. Be generous with your time, with your talents, with your words. Be generous in other areas of your life, regardless of how much money is in your account. Generosity is not dependent on a bank account. It's a heart matter. It's a gift. Leaders, you're called to lead diligently. Do so with zeal. Do so earnestly. Don't lead lazily or half-heartedly. Take care of those you lead. Care for them. Be a good steward of the people that God has placed under you. Be a leader that people want to follow, not have to follow. Leaders, lead with zeal. If your gift is to show mercy, well then, show mercy with cheerfulness. Sometimes, a smile goes a lot further than a bowl of food. Greet them. Life is tough. When we go on mission trips and we're uh, doing acts of mercy, as they call it, or you're feeding someone or helping someone or providing care, uh, medical clinics, whatever it is, a smile goes a long way. Life is hard. 
We need smiles. We need cheerfulness. Now again, we can do each of these to a degree. These are actions, but these might be your gift. One of these might be your gift. And Paul says to do it well. Do it with excellence. Use your gift for the use of others with humility, with purpose, and with faithfulness. Or I might even say, use your gift with fervor, with gusto. Go at it. Go all in. Use your gift. Really use your gift because we need you. Because God doesn't want you sitting on the sidelines when you've got a gift to be used for his glory, to be used for his kingdom, to be used for his church. Now, sometimes we get caught up in serving. Particularly in the church, I find this happens. I'm guilty of this. We get caught up in serving, and so we try to serve. Well, God's called me to serve, so I'm going to serve at every event. I'm going to serve at every Bible study. I'm going to serve at every service. I'm going to serve at every opportunity there is because God's called me to serve. God has also commanded us to rest. Sabbath is also a command to rest. There needs to be a balance in our lives. Yes, we could get caught up in what Paul's talking about and throughout Scripture talking about service, and we've got to serve the body. We've got to serve all the many parts. There's all these body parts we have to serve. And we also are called to rest. One of the books I read while I was on sabbatical is called The Rest of God by Mark Buchanan. And it's about the rest, like Sabbath, not like the remainder of God. The, the rest of God, Sabbath. And what he said in this book, one of the lots of really great um, things, to, to nuggets of gold just to pick out of this book. But he said, the law of Sabbath is not legalistic. It is a command given to save us from ourselves. If we have a tendency to overwork or to just keep serving and keep serving and keep serving and keep putting out to help others and keep serving because we feel like we need to, we're not caring for ourselves, we're not resting and practicing Sabbath, well then, we might become a useless gift. Oswald Chambers wrote this in, in uh, this quote from my utmost um, that he, he writes, we have the idea that we can dedicate our gifts to God. However, you cannot dedicate what is not yours. There is actually only one thing you can dedicate to God, and that is your right to yourself. If you will give God your right to yourself, he will make it a holy experiment out of you. And his experiments always succeed. We give all because God gave all. And God is calling us to use our gifts for the use of others because he has uniquely wired each and every single one of us as followers of Jesus to use our gifts to benefit others and to do so with humility, with purpose, and with faithfulness. So here's the challenge. This week, what is one area that you may not be serving? Or why aren't you serving? Let's just start there. If you're not serving, why? What's holding you back from serving? Maybe you are serving, but maybe you're serving half-heartedly. Why? I want to challenge you with that. Why are you not serving, perhaps, more faithfully? Maybe you're not serving with purpose. Why? What's holding you back? God's calling you. God's gifted you. He's wired you. We need you. God needs you to use your gift. He's calling you to use your gift with purpose. If you're not serving humbly, 
God says to not think too highly of yourself. Think of yourself with sober judgment, with right thinking. Because in the gospel, there's no room for pride. That's my challenge to you. How are you serving? How are you using the gifts that God has given you to bring him glory, to proclaim his name, to further his kingdom, to grow his church, to benefit your fellow believers, brothers and sisters in Christ? We're all part of the body together. How can we do that? How can you use your gifts in our community? That's the challenge for us. Use your gifts for the use of others and do so with humility, purpose, and faithfulness. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that we are uniquely wired, that uh, I'm so grateful, God, that uh, this is not a room full of Steve's. And that we all have a unique experience, we all have a, we all have a unique gift, and that we need each other. God, I need people here at Grace Point to use their gifts. They need each other. We need each other. God, we thank you for that. God, I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds to see how we can use our gifts, perhaps in ways that we've never thought possible before. God, we need your creativity. We need your, your wisdom to show us how to use our gifts. God, thank you that we are the body of Christ together. Thank you for Jesus, because without him, we would not be able to do any of this. Without Jesus, we would not be the body of Christ. We would just be stumbling about, wandering about aimlessly, God, lost. Thank you for what you're doing in our church. Thank you for what you're doing in each of us. Lord, reveal more uh, of you in us on how we can use our gifts to serve you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.